Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to episode 46 of Conquering Columbus. We've got a great show lined up for you today with Mr. Coit Cooper, and he's not from Columbus, but he shares our connection to wrestling. But before we dive into that, I want to take a moment and remind you all, go ahead and look at whatever podcast app you're listening to this on. Click that subscribe button. It really helps us out, and it'll make sure you guys never miss a single episode of Conquering Columbus. The last thing we want to do before we get this episode rolling is take a moment to thank all of our incredible sponsors here at Conquering Columbus. And that starts with AWH. AWH are builders of exceptional digital products for the web and mobile that drive business for select growth companies. With over 4,500 applications developed and 10 million users enjoying AWH applications, they are focused on solving problems and improving lives through better software applications. If you want to find out more about AWH, check out awh.net, which will be linked in the show notes, and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. For those of you who don't know who they are, the Sundown Group is an Ohio nonprofit that helps connect entrepreneurs to investors, mentors, talent, and capital through business pitch events, workshops, and classes offered throughout Ohio. More information on the web at sundownfirst.org. And our last sponsor is Facilities Management Express, or FMX for short. FMX is actually founded and headquartered here in Columbus, Ohio. They're a startup software company. What's really cool about them is a lot of competitors in this space, but they made a name for themselves by designing an easy-to-use and tailored-fit facilities maintenance and management software. They serve industries ranging from churches and schools to property management, manufacturing, and fast casual restaurants. You can learn more or check out a free trial at GoFMX.com. Mike here again. And if you want to be a sponsor of Conquering Columbus and have your message heard by conquerors across the city, please reach out to me at Mike at ConqueringColumbus.com. And one last thing before we get this episode rolling, Conquerors, we want to hear from you. There will be a quick survey in the show notes of today's episode. And if you guys could fill that out for us, we'd really appreciate it. All right, Conquerors, let's get the show on the road. drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment and I might get you know my head kicked in in the beginning but I'll find a way to survive I'll find a way to get the job done yeah there's a little doubt but you know what once again I think of that guy in my ear I think about stepping up to the stage I think about the challenge like I've lost sometimes but I've won more than I've lost and so like I bet on me any day choosing greatness greatness doesn't choose you you know, you have to choose it. And, yeah, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to another episode of Conquering Columbus. Our guest today is Coit Cooper, and uh, even though he's not from Columbus, Coit shares our background in wrestling and is an author, coach, and speaker committed to helping people pursue their highest aspirations so they can lead remarkable lives. Uh, He earned a PhD in sports management from Indiana University and founded two companies, Elite Level Sports Marketing and Coit Cooper Company. He's the author of two books, Marketing Manual, A Step-by-Step Guide to Building Interest in a Wrestling Program, 
and impressions, the power of personal branding and living extraordinary lives. And we are real excited to have him on the show today. Uh, welcome to Conquering Columbus, Coit. Well, th- thank you. I, I appreciate that. And I, I'm, I'm glad to be here. And uh, I'll tell you one quick thing about a story of a connection to uh, Columbus is this. Um, when I was in high school, I had some really good friends, a guy named Tommy Rollins, who went to Ohio State University. And, um, and, and so they were recruiting me to come there. And I, I really was interested in it. And um, but they didn't they didn't have the, the scholarship money, money freed up to sign me. And I signed it in Indiana and they called me the next day with a scholarship and it was one day late. I tell people it's a good thing that didn't happen because I would have went and maybe I wouldn't have met my wife in that. But um, definitely had an interest in coming to Columbus. Yeah, that is a wild story how uh, fate kind of plays out like that. Funny that Tommy was one of our guests a few months back and had a pretty amazing interview. So he is the connector of everybody in the wrestling community, I think. Yeah, no, he is. He's great. Really good guy. And, you know, I think everybody likes Tommy and obviously a crazy successful wrestler and, and now all the things he's doing in his life. Yeah, definitely. He's killing it. Um, so kind of to kick things off, we're dating this a little bit. We had Easter yesterday and you're talking about your holiday and I'm living out in Washington. Talk a little bit about, you know, how your day's going right now, kind of what you have going on. And then we'll go from there and kind of talk about your path up to um, through college and wrestling and creating your companies. Yeah, my day is great. I mean, I I love what I do. I mean, I get up every morning and, and I'm excited about, you know, the opportunities that I have in front of me. Just recently moved to Washington State, which is where I grew up. So I wake up and I look around and there's mountains, there's ocean. Uh, so I'm doing even better now. But, um, you know, just loving life right now like you guys are and, you know, trying to get up every single day and making an impact. And, and that makes it easy when you get up in the morning and you have things that you really look forward to. It makes it easy to really enjoy your life, and when you have a great family on top of that, I mean, life is always good. So how did life become that amazing for Coit? What is what does your early days look like, and what, what's the path leading up to where you are today and kind of the more significant events in your life that kind of define you, who you are? Yeah, you know, I was blessed. I mean, I had a great family, you know, two parents who uh, I realize now as I've grown up and I'm working with people that a lot of people aren't as blessed, and I had two parents who always put – you know, me and my brothers and sisters first and, and gave us great opportunities. My dad was a, a commercial fisherman for 25 years in Alaska. Uh, my mom was born up there. She's Alaska native. And, um, but I spent a lot of my time when I was younger, four years old to 12 years old, fishing on a boat and learning work ethic from my dad. And, and that's a, that's a tough, tough job. I mean, every single day you're up really early, uh, fishing late till night. The weather's not great. I mean, situations a lot of times not ideal, but I learned how to grind from him. And, you know, when I was very young, I got involved in wrestling because honestly I was crazy. I mean, and I wasn't disrespectful or anything like that, but I was always getting hurt riding my bike off of jumps and cracking my skull open. And my neighbors suggested wrestling and I was five years old and it was, it was just what I needed, you know, to, to take my energy and channel it into something else. And, and that's been amazing for me. You know, I've always, I've always loved the one-on-one competition, the ability to set goals and to pursue those things and go for them. And, wrestling was was great to me it taught me so much and and it led me onto the you know the career and path I am right now where you know I'm I'm still going for the things that I really love and and wrestling was you know kind of the first thing that taught me that and so um yeah I went to, went to college for wrestling and got a degree met my wife um and I don't know how detailed you want me to be, but it's just um, the early life was you know my parents and sport really dictated the pace and got me to where I am right now and so what did you end up studying at Indiana? 
Yeah, I studied. Um, I did all my degrees there. So I started in um, education, and and the thought was that I was going to finish wrestling and be a coach and um, and teach. And and I did my student teaching, and I really enjoyed that. But I kind of had an urge to keep going to school and and to get my master's. At the time, I was I was um, coaching at Indiana University, and my brother was there. Um, my wife was still going to school there, so I, I wanted to stay put and. Um, when I was coaching there, I decided to get my master's and I went into to sport administration and I learned about marketing and I just, I loved it. You know, the creative side of marketing and, and then this ability to go out and to, to learn these skill sets to help a sport that you love. And, and then I started to realize I love teaching. I love this marketing side. What could I do to kind of continue doing that? And that's when I realized I could get my PhD and become a, a college professor. And so I got my PhD at Indiana University in uh, sport marketing and management. And and that led me on the path where I am right now, where you know I've had a chance to work with wrestling programs across the country on branding and marketing. And, and I was a college professor for nine years of my life. Um, but my degrees, um, obviously, those were the ones that led me uh, kind of on this path as well. Before we jump too far down that road, I think one thing that we skip over far too often when we have any collegiate athletes or any athletes on the show in general is kind of the point in their career when they hit that significant milestone, which for you would be becoming an All-American. And I'm interested to hear, leading up to that point, what your relationship was like with your coaches and your teammates and how becoming an All-American kind of um, shaped your college experience and what that meant to you. I mean, you probably trained your entire life for ideally a national championship, but I mean, becoming an All-American is a really significant milestone in anybody's career. Yeah, you know, there's so many, you know, when you wrestle for a lot of your life from the time you're fun, five to 22, 23, you have a lot of coaches. And, you know, I can think of some specifically, one in um, high school named Ron, who just really had a tremendous impact on my career in life. And, you know, I had a chance to win a national title in, in high school uh, when wrestling with him, make world teams. And, and it was so much of it was him, you know, his ability to elevate my expectations, you know, to teach me, you know, how to have to have the discipline to earn those things. And, and that, and that was the primary reason why I had an opportunity between him and my parents, um, giving me the structure to have the success to go to Indiana university and on a scholarship and, and wrestle there. And, um, it was, it was a, it was a journey. I mean, when you go into that room and you're used to being one of the top guys in the country and you're getting it handed to you on a regular basis, your freshman year, that's hard. Uh, and then you're trying to adjust to, to what college is, you know, in terms of the, the academic workload and things like that. And it was really challenging, but it was a, a lot of ups and downs for me. You know, I, I took a, I took a lot of losses worse than I ever had in my life. You know, that caused me to, you know, kind of question myself and, you know, to have to keep kind of grinding and pushing forward. And, and my goal was to be a national championship and I never got that. Um, but I'm proud of, you know, becoming an All-American. It's not an easy thing to do. When I go to the national tournament now, I watch guys who are falling short or who don't get there. And I realized that I was blessed to have that opportunity. But, you know, a lot of times we look at situations where we fall short and I think we miss the point. And I haven't missed the point, you know, meaning those situations where I fell short taught me so much. You know, when I'm walking away from that arena, disappointed my senior year because I never won a national title in the moment. I didn't realize how good of a lesson it was, but now in hindsight, as I move myself through it, you know, that, that taught me, you know, to can continue to teach me to get back up, you know, to keep pursuing the things that you love. And, and eventually I think if you have that mindset, you get a chance to do really amazing things. And another thing that, that, that gave me is, you know, an opportunity to kind of evaluate my life and, you know, not reaching that, you know, 
caused me to stop and go, where do I want to go? And it caused my change in direction. But it was really, it was awesome. I mean, the opportunity to, to be able to do that is not something that most people get. And, you know, the opportunity to learn from it as well. But, you know, wrestling in college, you know, just really leaves a, a, a lasting impression on your life because it's just so demanding that every single day I think I can handle pretty much most everything because of that. Definitely. And, you know, and one of the things that you mentioned in there that I want to talk about is that first year of college where yeah. you see a lot of people, you know, that's where they get weeded out. And I think it's a lot to do with, I mean, like you mentioned, you were, you know, competing for national, uh, lucky enough to go and uh, win a national title and competing for, you know, at a national level in high school. And you mentioned that first year, you know, it was um, a lot of, you know, it's just a beating for anybody, you know, to change to, to the physicality. And so, I guess my question to all that is, um, what do you think that allows people to keep getting back up that first year uh, when you step into a, a, you know, a room where you maybe don't know as much as everybody else, and, and how can you apply that to you know, people's careers and other people out there who maybe aren't involved with wrestling? Yeah, and I think to even add on, like a lot of our listeners aren't necessarily um, a wrestling listener base, or it's not like a wrestling podcast, mm-hmm. but to take that theoretically and talk about being the top in any field and then throwing yourself into a whole new level of elite performance and trying to compete. Um, I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts and feedback on kind of how that, how that works for you. Yeah. And you know, and I'll start here just to help apply it to anybody who's listening is before I ever started wrestling, I learned about this from my dad on a boat, you know, when he's out there, I remember I used to get really pissed off because my dad would be fishing and it was it's such hard work and we wouldn't be catching fish and in in fishing you go out and you have what's called a seine it's a big net and you have two boats and you let the seine go out and this entire process takes about an hour you know so by the, from the time you put the seine out you close it up you bring the fish up it's an hour and a lot of times it's windy it's cold there's jellyfish like that are going in your face it's it's in the waves it's just it's sort of a little bit miserable and I used to get so mad because I'd be like, my dad would wanted to keep fishing. And I'd be like, why don't we stop? Everybody else is going in, taking showers and relaxing. And my dad would never do it. And at the time I was so mad, but I, I started to understand later that that's what you do when you have something you want to be good at. You do it even when you don't feel like it. And he was a successful fisherman because of that. Fast forward for me into wrestling, um, that, that, same situation in a completely different context is there. It's like, you don't feel like it. You're, you're getting beat up in the room. You're crazy sore. You're so tired. I used to go home from practice and I would get food and I wanted to study, but I would fall asleep like every night for like an hour and a half. I just couldn't study. I was so exhausted. And then I would get up and I would study and we'd be getting up again the next morning at six o'clock and I was just exhausted. And there's no question. You, you start to question whether or not you should be doing it. Can you do it? But I mean, I guess I, I was taught that you just, when you have something that you're pursuing, you keep going for that when it matters. That is when you still care about it, you keep pushing and, and you, you stay connected to what you want. You keep grinding. And, and when you do what I believe is this, you know, a lot of people will, will, will think that, Oh, but if I do it and I don't get what I want, it's a waste of time. And it's totally not. If you have something you really care about and you push, even when you fail, you get back up and you keep pushing forward. Even if you don't get there, you learn amazing lessons. And, and my belief is that when you keep doing that, eventually you're going to move to a place where you're really, really great at something that you're meant to be doing. And that's when you get to achieve some really amazing success and make a difference. So 
I think you have to you have to get through those lessons. And I think this is one of the biggest things that we don't have in our society today from a large chunk is we don't have the ability to grind. We don't have an ability to, you know, to keep pushing through. You know, we have these phones in front of us that give us everything instantly and easily. And and that's the problem. A lot of kids are growing up and people are now transforming that way where they want things easily and instantly. And that's not the way amazing like accomplishments work. So I think you have to you have to go into these things and you want it to you want it to come, but when it doesn't, if it matters enough, you keep going, you keep getting back up. And I tell you what, that's a habit. When you learn to get back up, you know, no matter what life throws at you, that's a great habit to have because it means you can deal with anything. And when you can do that and you can find the positive in the situation, then you can really close the gap on the things that you want. Yeah, and following from that, so I'm, I want to kind of jump into some of the things you have going on today, um, but I would like to hear a little bit more, too, about what your PhD experience was like, and for those out there listening who might be considering a PhD in any field, um, what was your personal experience like? How did you kind of grow personally through that entire process? And then once it ended, where did your life turn from there? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny how you look at these things, and I consider the, you know, pursuing an All-American was a, was a big thing. You know, pursuing a PhD was a big thing. And honestly, if you stop and you think too much about them when you're first starting, they're they're like overwhelming. It's almost like you're you're putting together these big old puzzles and you have all these pieces and you can't put them together at once and you just have to trust. Like if that's your goal, you have to draw back and say, What can I do today? And that's that's what I did. You know, I learned that from wrestling at a young age. So when I started my PhD in sport marketing and management, I just had to focus first on courses, just on knocking out courses and, you know, going in every day and learning and getting better. And then it turned into, you know, the part where you you're starting to get experience and you're you're working into your dissertation, which is a another big old puzzle. But it's a grind. You know, you, you would go in and you wouldn't feel like doing the research or you wouldn't feel like, you know, teaching the courses and you had to still go in. And I think what I did is I kept reminding myself that I wanted to I wanted to be really good at something. You know, I'd be really good as a professor, as a researcher. And so you'd have to go in and, and just keep grinding, keep earning it. And then eventually when you go in and you're willing to hang in there, you, you get to the point where you start to see the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, you start to realize I'm getting closer at this and 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 that tends to make things a little bit more manageable. And it's this is the coolest part, and I'm sure your audience members can relate to this on some scale, and maybe even good chance even bigger than what I've been able to do. But it's a, it's so rewarding, you know, to take something on like a PhD, like a like an All American honor, like writing a book that you didn't know how you were going to get there at the beginning, but you piece it together and you get to the end, and all of a sudden you look at the puzzle, and you go, this is really cool, you know, to have been able to do this when I wasn't sure if I could. It's like proving that to yourself over and over. And where that's led me um, is getting a chance to impact lives as a professor. You know, now doing what I do, it's giving me the skill sets to to market myself, to to go out and and to really impact people on a daily basis. And so I think you have to you have to pass those tests to get to the bigger ones. And that's what I see myself as. I see myself as just getting started. And all these are are these tests to earn the right to go to a higher level and impact more lives and, and make a difference in the world. So um, that's where it's led me now to, to what I'm doing um, on a daily basis today. Definitely. And I, you know, I think I really, what I really liked in that is when you talked about focusing on what's in front of you, the puzzle piece that you're working on right now. And I think, you know, you hear people talk about the seals um, a lot and how 
Mm-hmm. The best way to get through buds is to just focus on the hour that you're currently in. Don't think yeah. about all the time ahead of you, all the things that you have to work on. But um, what I'm interested in is talking a little bit about being a professor and um, what that experience was like and how um, being a professor and the rewarding experience from it has affected um, your current roles and some of the companies that you started after being a professor. Yeah, you know, I, I got into being a professor. I think a large chunk of it for me um, was being able to work with students. And, and of course, there was another element, which is doing research and impacting programs. But I, I love working with people and elevating people. And that gave me really kind of my first extensive experience teaching. And um, when I first started teaching as a professor, the experience is that, you know, how you have a research component where you're you're, you're doing that on a regular basis. But my teaching experience was that, it, it taught me um, that teaching is not what you think it is. And let me explain that. You know, when I first started teaching in marketing, I would go in every single day and I would prepare to teach them about marketing. You know, I would I would focus on, you know, helping them understand branding, how you break that down into the different aspects that you're trying to, to really build in. I taught them segmentation, who to target, um, creative branding strategies. I mean, all the things that you would learn in a marketing course, I taught them that. And then I was probably three or four years into my teaching career, and I got enough experience and confidence where I started to talk to students about dealing with failure, you know, how to set goals, how to how to go out and set higher expectations. And I wouldn't incorporate a lot, but I would just tell stories and I would talk to them about that. And then I had a moment that just drastically changed me in the way that I did what I did and, and the way that I taught. And I had students that would come back and they would say, you remember that day that you talked about not giving up and, and, and pushing through? And I said, I really don't. And they said, um, that changed my life. And I realized that you know, there, there were these things that you could teach students that would, that would go way beyond the classroom that would change them forever. And that changed the way that I approached teaching. You know, then I wanted to go in and make sure that I was challenging students, that I was you know, helping them, you know, see things the way that they should, that they should be pursuing the things they're passionate about. And I think in a way that led me to where I am now, no question about it, because I got to where I started to work in goal setting and, and habits and things like that into my courses. And I think that was one of the reasons why at the end of the day I decided to leave academia is I realized that there were specific things I wanted to teach students and there weren't many schools that, if any, that would be willing to let me teach it specifically the way that I wanted to teach it. And so I decided to move off on my own to, to teach it in that way. So, you know, being a professor is, um, it, it's, it's a really great job because you have a lot of flexibility in what you do. It's a challenging job because you have a lot of flexibility in what you do. Meaning if you don't go in and discipline yourself, you can, you can kind of not get a lot done and that's, that's not great. So, you know, a lot of flexibility to do what I wanted to do. You know, it's really amazing. The energy on, on college campuses is great. And um, for me, the thing I'm always going to remember, even if I don't go back to academia, is that opportunity to work with students at an age where they're really open to it. And the opportunity to go out and really impact them was, you know, something that was really rewarding. So um, there are a lot of different elements of being a professor, but th- those are the ones that I remember. So you touched on some aspects of things that you wanted to be able to teach different individuals that you weren't able to in that academia environment and what your companies are doing today. So you want to talk about kind of how that transition went and then um, what you're doing with the Coit Cooper company and elite level sport marketing. Yeah, my transition. And, and there's a, there's actually a lot more to this story. I mean, we can certainly dive into it if you want to, but 
Um, it wasn't, it wasn't, I completely just out of nowhere made a decision to move. I, I went up for tenure at North Carolina. I didn't get that, which was some real adversity for me. They offered me another job, but I, I decided that I didn't want that. Um, but that, that caused me to, to think, do I want to do this for good? Do I want to stay in this role? And when I thought about that, the answer was, I don't. And, um, when I when I realized that what I wanted to do is go out and impact people's lives in a different capacity, that's the way I wanted to go. And and I started to even more think, you know, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. You know, I've always wanted to have to go out and have the challenge of of figuring it out. You know, having to figure out how to generate the revenue, how to how to create a a business from scratch and build just massive energy around it. You know, build a business that would would change people's lives for good. And, and that's where I kind of pieced everything, all of my past, I pieced it together. And I realized that I wanted to go out and, and really two different elements to what I do. Number one is a side that I call kind of the, the make your mark side for me. I have a, what's going to be called the make your mark Academy. And what I want to do is I want to teach people to go out and to live with passion, you know, to pursue the things that they love, you know, to create um, the right types of habits that will get them results. But at the end of the day, I want to create a, just a, a big tribe of people who are going out, laying it on the line, you know, the ability to achieve success and just make a big difference in their lives and to love what they're doing. And so there's that side, which is more this performance side, goal setting side. And then I have another side, you know, um, which is more of this, the branding side of things. And so you can call that um, the elite level sport marketing. The one I said previously was the Coit Cooper company, but this other side I realized that I want to work with businesses and entrepreneurs and leaders to help them go out and to build energy around what they're doing. And so the whole concept of that is teaching people about branding, you know, and how you can go out and you can create a vision around your values and then go through this process of, of, you know, taking these steps to really build something unique and stand out in the marketplace. And so, you know, I have these two different sides that are both things that I'm passionate about but the craziest thing is that they just, when I look at my past, it wasn't intentional, but I was always pursuing the things that I loved. And it's, it's crazy how they just started to fall together, you know, to where these two elements that just work so well together, um, are able, what I'm able to do every single day. So I can sit down with a, with a leader and I can teach them about how to, how to become stronger as a leader, how to get more intentional with their goals. And then I can turn around and work with the same person on how to go out and to build the culture in their business, you know, to build their brand effectively, to really compound what they're doing with their business. So I can, I can combine these two different sides to really help, you know, individuals and leaders go out and just perform at a high level. So that's, that's what I do every single day is I, in different capacities, I help um, people do that. So you talked a little bit about finding what you love and how that can drive your passions. And I think, at least from my perspective, I don't know if you feel the same way, but Trying to find what you love requires a large amount of self-awareness, and that's always been um, at least a struggle for me personally, and I think for mm -hmm. some of our other guests on the show, you know, if, if they've managed to kind of master it, they become very successful, but the process of mastering it is pretty tough. So what kind of things do you help people do to kind of discover what they love and who they are and gain a better self-awareness? Yeah, I think there's there's different elements to this, and I, I truly believe that a lot of it starts with growth and investing in yourself. And I'm not just going to give you a generic answer like that and move on. I, I'll make sure that I'll dive in a little bit, that I tell people one of the single activities that has changed my life and given me more awareness of who I am is just reading every single day. 
I mean, I, I, it's probably been a thousand days straight where I've read 30 minutes and I've never missed. I do not miss. And, and the reason why is it helps me grow. You know, it helps me get in touch with the things that matter to me most. I mean, I, I place a premium on every single day going through a routine that allows me to grow and get better and know myself. And so the first thing I would tell people is, is to get a growth plan, you know, sit down and decide on some activities that will allow you to get better every single day. Reading is at the core of it. When you study really successful people, you realize that they, they read every single day. You know, Tony Robbins is a is somebody that I look up to. He's a mentor to me. And that's one of the things I learned from him is that you, you need to read and, and read. If you want to be an entrepreneur, read from Richard Branson, you know, read about Steve Jobs, you know, pick up books from Brian Tracy about goal setting. You know, there's so many different things that you can do. You can learn from Brendan Burchard about motivation, but you can learn from the best people in the world every single day. And you better believe that when you're reading these books every single day, all of a sudden you're going to get excited about something. And, and it's just, it's going to light something up in you. And when you, when that happens, you got to pay attention because that's a sign of something that's really important to you. And if you do this enough and you combine that with things like journaling, where you reflect on your reading, you know, where you're writing down the things that you're learning, the things that are important to you. And then you progress to things like, you know, starting to create a list of values and goals and, and making sure those things align. That's a process. You have to earn that. But when you every single day invest, eventually you really start to figure out the things that matter to you. And most people will never go there. They won't spend a year doing that or two years or whatever it takes. But the reward is this. When you start to figure out who you are, I mean, it, it's it's an amazing thing because you'll know exactly you know, the, the values that matter to you. You'll know how to live your days. You'll know how to make decisions. And when you do that, you avoid frustrations because you're living the exact way you know you should be living. So you have to get to the point where you know those values that are important to you. So that's the, the first part I would say is just, you know, investing in a growth plan, being crazy consistent, starting your day that way, ending your day that way in some capacity. And then there's another part which encompasses part of that. But if you really want to learn more about yourself and, and where, you know, where, where you'll eventually end up going, you can't be afraid to try things. You know, you can't be afraid to create a list of values and start modeling them, you know, and, and it won't be perfect. Nothing is. Nothing's perfect when you start. In fact, it's likely a year from now two, five years from now, your values will look nothing like they look like now, but you have to be willing to start and to go out and push those things. Same thing with goals. A lot of times people are like, well, I don't know how to set a goal. And I'm like, well, just write something down you want and then just, you know, write down one thing to go after it. And then eventually, if you if you do that enough, you start to read about it enough, eventually you're going to become pretty dang good with goals. And when you become good with those two things, your values and your goals, and you pursue them and you move forward and you go through this process over and over again, eventually you start to really understand. Um, but most people won't do that. You know, they want to sit down and know exactly what their life is supposed to look like right now. Perfect. And that's not the way it works. I mean, as you you alluded to. You got to get up. You got to be willing to invest in yourself. You have to be willing to go for it. And then eventually you start to parse out the things that don't matter versus the things that really do. And that's where I think you can really get somewhere and live a life that's really meaningful. And at the end of the day, when you get that right, that's when you can go whenever your time comes, you know, and, and you might be on your way out in your life. You'll look back and you'll have no regrets because you've invested. You know how you're supposed to be living and you're doing it to the best of your ability I think that's the, the highest form of living. Yeah, that's incredible. I really like what you said there at the end, especially about 
um, finding a, something that's meaningful to you because um, Josh and I have talked about this before. I'm not sure if it's something you experienced or not, but when we left wrestling, um, there's kind of a sense of a loss of purpose almost. And so finding mm -hmm. that thing that is meaningful enough to you to keep putting that much effort into it is, is hugely important. Yeah. Um, but one thing I wanted to ask you about is you talked about how important goals were. What are some of the current goals and challenges you're working on? Yeah. Uh, um, and I, and I definitely, uh, I want to go there, but I want to talk about what you just said a second ago, which I think is so important that a lot of times we'll go in and if it's not being an athlete, it's in a job getting a promotion, but we have these goals, right? Mm -hmm. And, and we go and we, we pursue them, we get them or we don't get them and they're over. And a lot of times, you know, people stop there and it's really disappointing, right? When you get to the point where you haven't achieved a goal or you've achieved it and you don't have another goal and you're sitting there a few days later and all of a sudden, whatever it was kind of is not there anymore. That's frustrating. And so what I tell people is you always need to find new things to challenge you and to push you. And if you don't, your mind is wired in a way that it's going to go and it's going to find negative things that are going to frustrate you. So goals are, are crazy important, you know, but I, I have, I absolutely at all times have goals, you know, and I have goals in the areas that are most important to me. I have goals on, you know, they're not as specific when it comes to my family, but I want to for my family. It's so important that I become the best husband and father that I can possibly be. And I have a goal that says every day I do something intentional to, to make my family's life better. You know, a lot of days that's sitting down and, and making sure I'm telling my kids how important they are to me, you know, telling my wife, I love her doing something specific. Other days it's a, I need to get out and I need to create more for our family, but I try to do something every single day. That's a process goal for me. I have outcome goals as well. You know, I'd like to, within five years, be a New York Times bestselling author. I think that would be really amazing. I can totally live with it if I don't get there, but that's one of those stretch goals, stretch outcome goals that I'm pursuing. Um, I have goals in the more um, short term where I'm launching a brand new product called the Extraordinary Brand Academy. And my first cohort is going to be two weeks from now, and it's a mastermind cohort. And I, I want to fill that with 10, you know, amazing people who are looking to go out and you know, and, and to create brands that allow them to really create the lives that they want, that allow them to stand out. And so I have goals like that where I not only want to fill the cohort, but I want to drastically change their lives, you know, in an, in an impactful way. And so, you know, my, my life is, um, you know, I always have goals that are challenging me, but I always tell people this, I have my goals and I'm going to pursue them and I'm going to do the best that I can. But at the end of the day, if I don't get them, I'm not going to let it ruin my life. You know, goals are designed to stretch me, not to define me, you know, and, and I'll pursue them. And I think I'm going to get most of them. But when I don't, I've learned to not dwell too much. I learned to diminish my dwell time when I don't get there. You know, I apply for a TED talk and I don't get it. I used to get so frustrated and upset. I would see myself as a failure. And now because one of my top values is growth. I analyze everything from a growth perspective, meaning if I don't get a TED talk, instead of feeling sorry for myself, I say, how can I get better? You know, how can I get to the point where I'll get a chance to not only do this, but do it better in the future? And so I think it's important where you combine those two things. You have your goals, but your values are more important than your goals. I truly believe that. And I didn't used to believe that, but I believe that now because your goals are going to challenge you to move in a specific direction. Your values are who you are. And that's why I use my values to dictate everything that I do. You know, I, I want to grow no matter what. And this is where, you know, you, you have somebody in your backyard, Kyle Snyder, who's just 
remarkable. He's so amazing at what he what he does, and and that's one thing I think that makes him unique. You look at you, him and you go, why? Why can he go out and at Olympic level when he is so young, 19 years old, win a world championship and then turn around and win an Olympic championship and beat guys that are more experienced, should be stronger from a mindset standpoint. And he just, it's the way he approaches things. You know, he has a growth mindset where he's looking at, he just wants to be better every single day. He has a passion for what he does. And he combines all these lessons that we're talking about in a way that makes him really unique. And of course, I think he's meant to be a wrestler and doing what he's doing, but it's those types of things, goal setting, he knows the person he wants to be. Those things align and give him an amazing shot to just be the greatest at what he does. So um, that's just an example of that um, kind of, you know, when you step back and take a look at it. So I think personally what can be scary for me, and I can't speak for our listener base or for Mike, but when setting goals, it's the more granular steps leading up to those goals. So when you initially set that goal, at least personally, you have a fear of failure, but I think my larger fear is trying to figure out the steps to making it up to that goal and not knowing if I could um, create those different individual stepping stones to get me to where I need to be. And you talked about creating that cohort, and I'm interested. So when you created that goal, that's kind of a, a, a unique goal where you're, you can't really look at what somebody else has done and just mimic it. So kind of what were your more granular steps when you approached that and said, this is how I'm going to get it done? And how have you approached other goals in life more granular? Does that question makes sense yeah it does no i mean and i of course you i think it is important to know a little bit about what people are doing and you know i have a guy named brendan burchard who i just admire the way he creates courses the way he's impacting people's lives and i've i've went through one of those courses so i know what some of the best people in the world are doing and so i start there in terms of you know what strategies are you using how are they engaging how are they selling but at the end of the day i tell people if you want to be unique you can't copy you can't just you can't just go and try to do exactly what they're doing. And so what I've tried to do is I've tried to sit down when I create a course like that and I first I try to combine, you know, the looking at it and saying who are my segments and then taking a step back and saying how can I make something that's crazy unique. And again, this comes down to when you're creating a course, a book or anything like that. Again, I go back to this, you know, that comparison where it's like putting together a puzzle. And so you have to be willing to not know. When I start creating a course, I don't know. You know, I will throw myself into things. I will I will launch a course, and of course I've got background in it. I know, you know, I can create it, but I'm willing to throw myself into something knowing that this is something that I want to teach people and then fill in the gaps. But I'll sit down, and normally what I'll do is I'll break it down, and I'll say, okay, if I'm going to have four or five phases, what are the things that people have to be able to take away from my course? You know, what are the things at the end of the day, if I could teach them something that not only would get them results, but drastically change their life if they really get it, what would those things do? What would they be and what would they do? And for me, that guides me. You know, once I have my framework and I say, okay, this first part of this course has to do with mindset. We have to sit down and realize that what stops most people from creating an amazing brand or business is normally mindset. What you just talked about a second ago saying, um, a lot of times with goals, you know, it's it's the fear of not knowing what to do. We have to get over that. And a lot of times it's just shifting the way people see things. Again, if you like what I do, I go into this. I'm not afraid to go out and try to create a course. I'm not afraid to put it out there because, again, I just want to get better and better. I want to impact lives. But on a day to day basis, what I'm going to do is I'm going to sit down and I'm going to say, what can I do to change them? And then I've once I've got those things, I'm going to fill in the gaps in between and 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 at the end of the day, you have to be you have to be willing to put it out there and 
and fill in those gaps. And I learned that from from people like Brandon Burchard. You know, you're not going to be perfect. And and let me just stop there because I, I think that's important because when I used to think about creating, I realized that I was stopping. I wasn't doing what I should be doing, meaning I, I, I knew I wanted to create a course, but for some reason I wasn't doing it. And what I realized about myself is I had this idea that I wanted to be the best, one of the best in the world at doing this. And my expectation right then was that I had to do that, meaning I had to be able to launch a course and put hundreds of people in it and have it be a massive success. And the reality is you have to be willing to start. And so I had to remind myself, be a beginner. The best people in the world are beginners to start. And I had to go about it that way. But once you change that mindset and you just say, I'm going to be a beginner, I'm going to love the process, I'm going to love getting better, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to create content and I'm going to deliver it with passion the best I can. And then when I fall short, I'm going to be okay with that and I'm going to get better and better. You know, eventually you can create a course that's really amazing and world class. But I think a lot of it psychology wise, you have to get to the point where um, you're in the right mindset. And then once you once you release that, once you get rid of thinking you need to be perfect and being afraid you're going to screw up, then you can get to work. Like I can sit down and create a, a module and deliver it um, and jump in with, with people and really change their lives. But I have to have the right mindset before I do that. So I hope I answered your question. I mean, we could talk a lot about how to break down a, like a module and a course, but from a, from a, from a, that higher level, that's, that's how I approach things. No, yeah, it was spot on. I was, I was mainly looking for a more theoretical stance on it, which you gave and the fact that you talked about kind of mimicking what greatness looks like, but putting your own twist and then reverse engineering and then just not being scared to start and not thinking that you have to be perfect to start. Or, you know, when I think a lot about starting my own business and I start to think and I look at other companies that are, you know, multi-million dollar, billion dollar companies and you just sit back and you just can't imagine how they ever got that big and it's really daunting. But then yeah, you get to jump into a company like we work for Mike and I today, a startup company and see it from the ground up. And it kind of gives you some spirit and understand that these things just take day by day and week by week and eventually they evolve and you fail a lot along the way. And that's kind of how you figure uh -huh. out what works and what doesn't. So that, that was definitely spot on. Um, I think following from there, you know, as we're kind of coming to a close here soon, I'd like to talk a little bit before we wrap up about talk about building culture and brands and some of the companies that you're working with now. I'd like to hear about some of those projects and um, what you're having the most fun with or what's been the most fun for you over the past couple of years of doing this. Yeah, I mean, one example of something that I'm doing right now that that's new that I'm pretty excited about is I just recently went down to Houston um, to do a personal branding seminar um, with USA Cricket. And Cricket, most people don't know this, and I certainly didn't, is it's one of the top two sports in the world in terms of popularity and participation. It's not in the United States, but it is in the world. And so I had a, a contact from USA Cricket write me and say, hey, we'd love you to come visit with our with our our guys and our gals and and talk to them about branding, you know, how to represent themselves, you know, how to how to use values to, you know, kind of guide performance. And it was really amazing to go down there and get a chance to work with, you know, people that are all United States citizens, but people from originally from around the world and just to be able to sit down and help them, you know, to, to see things differently. I think a lot of what I do is that I want to make people see things differently than they ever have before. And not in a way that's unproductive, but helping them realize that, you know, if they really are intentional, they can create extraordinary results and extraordinary lives. And so 
that project is one that I'm excited about. I'm going to have a chance moving forward to work with them more um, in terms of, you know, doing more of branding, more of performance. And, and that's been really rewarding. You know, probably one of the coolest things that I, as looking back that I've ever been able to do was working with the National Wrestling Coaches Association and creating what's called the Best of Brand Awards. And, you know, we've gotten hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of programs involved all across the United States. And this is a culture thing. What we wanted to do was change the way that programs were running themselves, change the way that they were marketing and branding themselves. And just I've been fortunate to work with the National Wrestling Coaches Association to develop resources, to develop these awards, and just have a chance to impact programs. And I look at a program like, you know, with what Chris Bono has done at South Dakota State. You know, he took a program over that really was struggling, and he came in and he's done most of the work, but we just taught him to, hey, you know, you can go out and you can give people a reason to care. You can create energy around your program. You can be the type of leader that just draws people in. And he's done an incredible job doing that. You know, he just came out and they had their, they had, you know, top, I think 16th finish in the country, two All-Americans. And they're just, they're just, it's amazing. They're setting attendance records. And so just the opportunity to work with programs in that capacity is really cool. And and then there's just so many examples of, of individuals that I've had a chance to work with, and I won't go through them, but to be able to, you know, to, to work with people on things like we've talked about, you know, helping them get clear on the life that they want, you know, helping them move through a process to build confidence and get them to the point where they really truly believe that, you know, they can make these decisions that turn into something really remarkable is, is so rewarding, you know, just, just to have that opportunity. You know, if you get the chance to just a single person, if you, one person in your life, you can step in and you can drastically change them and help them live a great life. That's, that's pretty amazing. And, and so to have the opportunity to do that on a regular basis is something that just motivates the crap out of me. I mean, I, I get up every day and I realize that I can do something that matters. And right now I'm more intentional than I've ever been about that. I want to get up every single day and change somebody's lives and get better and better at it. And and then I think the end of the day when you really get it right is when you do that for other people and they start doing it for others and you know that you know, you, you've created a life that matters. And so I just want to teach people how to do that and how to go out and love what they're doing and, you know, and get a chance to, to make their mark as well. So a little bit on the South Dakota State situation, from your perspective, what were some of the things that they implemented and changed? And again, like we don't even have to focus strictly on the sport of wrestling in general, but I mean, there's lots of sports out there that are similar to wrestling. They don't get the type of publicity or maybe they're a program that's not thriving at a different D1 institute across the country. Changes that they made that you saw that really had a dramatic impact on the way things are going now. Yeah, you know, there's a there's a, there's one single thing that I think um, set the pace. And, th and the, what I love about this thing is this can be, other programs can use this. Um, you can be an entrepreneur and you can use this. You can be a business leader who's trying to grow your company and you can use this. It started with a guy who had a vision, right? He had a he had the ability to look at something and say, I want it to be at a much higher level. You see, when it comes to branding or creating like really extraordinary things, it starts with a single person or single people who get together and they say, This is where we're going. And that's what Chris Bono's done. He said, he's looked at it and said, we are going to create a top 10 program in South Dakota at South Dakota State University. We are going to give people a reason to care. And he's built a crazy amount of energy around what he's done. 
Now they have specific strategy, which we've talked to them about, which is get a mantra for your program. You know, and they've went with, they call it get jacked, you know, know your values, what you stand for, and then get out and be intentional about branding that and living that every single day. And so they, they've just done that, but it starts with single individuals who decide to take and elevate everybody else's standards. And because of his energy and his passion, he's pulled in assistant coaches who are doing the same thing. He's pulling in athletes who are buying into that. And the energy that comes from that is really amazing. You know, you can get to the strategy part. You build the culture part right where everybody is excited about where they're going. They've bought in. The energy is built up. You can get the part where you're creating the videos and things like that. But the thing that he's done is he's set the tone. He's created energy around something that didn't exist before. He's given people a reason to care. And when you have thousands of people coming to your event who weren't there before, it's because a leader and a group of individuals have given them a reason to care. It wouldn't exist if a person didn't step up and, and create excitement around it. So I don't want to underestimate that. This is not something that most people would talk about when they talk about branding, but I think it's so critical. You look at it doesn't I mean you can look at anything. You look at what Richard Branson's done, energy and vision. Steve Jobs, energy and vision. You know, your your best people in the world had something they were passionate about to the point where they were going to go out and they were going to pursue it and they were going to get people on board and build something really unique. So I that would be the point that I would look at to say what makes them different? That makes Chris Bono and their program different is he's given people a reason to care and that comes from his energy and his passion every single day. Definitely, you know, that's a, and it's something that's interesting that I've never really thought about is that that unwavering vision and passion for something that uh the most incredible leaders have. I mean, it was something we saw in Tom Ryan at Ohio State, and yeah, um, just kind of any leader you've uh, I've ever met that I can think of off the top of my head had this that unwavering um, belief that the vision they see in their head is going to come true, and it just draws you to them, and like it kind of forces you to believe it too, because you just you know you get almost beat down by their passion, I guess, in a weird way. But yeah, um, one of the uh, questions that we always ask a lot of our guests, and I think it's a good t point to transition to it, is. Um, our culture and our our motto here on Conquering Columbus is live uncomfortably. Um, and it has a lot to do with pushing yourself outside your comfort zone every day in order to get better. But uh, we wanted to ask you, what do you think of when you hear the phrase and how does uh, live uncomfortably apply to your life? Man, I, I just think, you know, when I think live, live uncomfortable, I think go all in. I mean, go all in you know, to get the things that you want in life. And when you have these monster aspirations, these big goals that other people don't, everything about them is initially uncomfortable. You know, all the biggest goals that I've ever had in my life at the beginning were uncomfortable. No idea how to get there. And I tell people, that's okay. You know, that's okay. If you don't know how to get there at the beginning and it makes you uncomfortable, that's good. And so you have to start there. Like I love that that's the, the concept for your show because I think if you're going to achieve anything worthwhile, you have to learn to be uncomfortable. So it starts with the goal-setting process in terms of that thing that gets you out of your comfort zone, and then it's an everyday thing. You know, I, I tell people I try to do something that takes me out of my comfort zone intentionally every single day because if I'm not doing something that's uncomfortable, I'm not growing. If I'm comfortable every single day, then I am not reaching towards my full potential. So, you know, the thing that I think is just to go for it, you know, to go for it in terms of your goals, 
to get up every single day and fight off the urge to settle and to, to sit on your couch watching TV, doing what's easiest, and instead go out and pursue the things that are going to matter. And here's the coolest thing about like your comfort zone, though, is a lot of times people go, oh, well, I'm, I'm uncomfortable doing something like public speaking. And they think that they're going to feel that way for the rest of their lives. And I tell people your comfort zone, it stretches in a good way. Meaning if you're uncomfortable with public speaking and you're willing to throw yourself into environments where you have to speak, then guess what? You're not always going to feel that way. You're going to hone skill sets. You're going to develop your confidence. And then you're, you're going to get to the point where you're comfortable in front of an audience. And then when you get to that point, then you can become great as a speaker. You have to have a baseline in every area. You're going to have to be uncomfortable to get to the point where you can stretch yourself and be really great. But I think you have to be willing to be uncomfortable to be great. You know, Kyle Snyder. I bet he's uncomfortable every single day. Tom Ryan, I bet he's uncomfortable every single day doing something. And that's what makes them so unique. While everybody else is sleeping in until 7.30 and watching three or four hours of television every single night, they fight off the urge to do those easy things. Instead, they do the things they know they should be doing every single day. And those little things that you look at and you go, oh, well, getting up 15 minutes a day or 30 minutes a day, that's not much. 30 minutes a day, every single day, uncomfortable, but when you do it every single day, it's 182 hours over the course of the year, 4.5, 40-hour work weeks. That's what makes the greatest people on the planet different, being uncomfortable for 30 minutes a day when people aren't, you know, adding 10 minutes of, of journaling, you know, 10 minutes of goal setting, and eventually those turn into massive differences, but you got to be uncomfortable to get them. Quite, that's awesome. I think uh, we could spend all day talking to you. It's awesome to listen to the insight you have and you're full of a lot of brilliance and intelligence and motivation. Um, and I appreciate you jumping on the show. I think all of our listeners are better for listening to it. And I definitely know that Mike and I are as well. And uh, you have any final words to kind of wrap up before we shut things down here? Well, first, thank you. I mean, the opportunity to visit with you is, is great. You know, it, it challenged me. And the opportunity to share a message is, is something that matters to me a lot. Um, last words I would say for, for the people of, of Columbus is this, um, you know, I, I believe that every person on the planet was put on this, this earth to do something, you know, you have some gifts of, of, of something that you could do if you pursued it and you went after it, that you could do extraordinary things. Most people will never pursue that. And what I tell people is just get up every single day and start, you know, pick something you're intrigued by in a goal and go after it. And when you start to go after it and you realize there's something else you'd rather be going after, then go for that. And pursue the things that you love over and over and over again to where you can earn the right to get to the point where you're doing what you're meant to be doing. I think I'm, I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing right now. And because of that, I love my life every single day. And so I would tell you, if you don't like your life, don't settle. Fight for something better. And if you're willing to keep going out and trying, living uncomfortable, eventually you're going to get to the point where you get up and you're excited for your days. And you're going to strengthen your mindset to the point where, you know, you can learn to block out the negative and focus on the things you want to be doing. And you you can know, you can know that you're living the way that you should. And here's one way to know, know that that's the case. If you can do one of two things, if you can sit down and imagine yourself at your funeral or you can attend a funeral, even better. Those are the two things. But if you're at that point where you sit down and you can really feel that, like you can really feel, you know, the dying process or whatever you want to call it, and you feel good about the way that you've lived, 
then you know you're at a point where you're doing good. If you can look at it and go, yeah, and I know I'd be fine. If my time was right now, I would be fine because I'm doing the things that I should be doing. I'm loving my life. I'm treating people as well as I possibly can. That, that's your measure, you know, to know that you're, you're living the way that you should. That's what it's all about. So go for it. You know, you, you don't get to live once. Go for it. I mean, throw it all on the line. Get after it. Have a blast while you're living. And my final thing is just, you know, go out and make your mark on the world. Yeah, that's incredible, Coit. Thanks a lot. We can feel your passion in all your words, and uh, I'm sure our listeners will really enjoy it. So um, thank you guys for listening, Conquerors. And uh, we hope you enjoyed that episode and walk away from this ready to run through a brick wall because that's what I'm about to do. Um, appreciate it, and hope you guys have a good rest of your week. If you liked that episode, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, social media. We're all over the place, guys. Share it with your friends. Also want to ask you if you could do us a big favor. Check out that podcast app you're listening to us on, and go ahead and click that subscribe button. Again, it really helps us out, and it makes sure you guys never miss a single episode of Conquering Columbus. Last thing we want to do before we let you go here is give one last shout-out to all of our incredible sponsors. And that starts with AWH. AWH are builders of exceptional digital products for the web and mobile that drive business for select growth companies. With over 4,500 applications developed and 10 million users enjoying AWH applications, they are focused on solving problems and improving lives through better software applications. If you want to find out more about AWH, Check out awh.net, which will be linked in the show notes, and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. For those of you who don't know who they are, the Sundown Group is an Ohio nonprofit that helps connect entrepreneurs to investors, mentors, talent, and capital through business pitch events, workshops, and classes offered throughout Ohio. More information on the web at sundownfirst.org. And our last sponsor is Facilities Management Express, or FMX for short. FMX is actually founded and headquartered here in Columbus, Ohio. They're a startup software company. What's really cool about them, there's a lot of competitors in this space, but they made a name for themselves by designing an easy-to-use and tailored-fit facilities maintenance and management software. They serve industries ranging from churches and schools to property management, manufacturing, and fast casual restaurants. You can learn more or check out a free trial at gofmx.com. Mike here again, and if you want to be a sponsor of Conquering Columbus and have your message heard by conquerors across the city please reach out to me at mike at conqueringcolumbus.com there will be a quick survey in the show notes of today's episode and if you guys could fill that out for us we'd really appreciate it all right folks that's all we got we'll talk to you next week you could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment and i might get you know my head kicked in in the beginning but i'll find a way to survive i'll find a way to get the job done Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus.